You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm Eleanor Rust, Marketing Director at Rock Paper Scissors, the PR firm that specializes in music innovation and music technology. The Music Tectonics Conference is approaching fast. Music innovation leaders like you will gather October 25th through 27th in Santa Monica, California. After two years online and hybrid, we are so excited to meet you in person and face-to-face. In the lead-up to the event, we have a mini-series on the stars of the 2022 Music Tectonics Conference. These folks are star music innovators in their own right and star sponsors of this year's edition of the conference. We couldn't have three full days of programming and networking at Music Tectonics without the big ideas and support of our sponsors. You'll get to meet them at the conference, so why not get to know some of them now? Today, Tristra New Year Jaeger, Music Tectonics host and director of strategy at Rock Paper Scissors, will chat with Will Griggs to catch up with HiFi, the financial rights organization for the music industry, and the big picture trends they're tracking. But first, Trister sits down with Michael and James Celentano, Managing Directors of Entergain. Take it away, Tristra. Founders, C-suite decision makers, and boards choose Entergain to gain the talent, capability, and scale they need to fuel the enterprises they lead. Entergain is the leading firm for executive recruiting, leadership upskilling, and strategic HR services at the intersection of the music and tech sectors. Intergain serves a wide range of clients from compelling startups to pace-setting niche players to some of the world's most well-known organizations. Welcome to the podcast, James Celentano and Michael Celentano, Managing Directors of Intergain. How you doing? We're great. How are you? Thanks for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure. And I'm really excited to hear about what you do. Now, I think I'll just kick things off by asking that basic question. What is Intergain and what do you do? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, as uh, and thanks for your your eloquent introduction on it. I, I think, yeah, just plainly put, we we work with with organizations in three ways: to gain talent, to gain capability, to gain scale. What does that mean? That means gaining talent is finding that right, unique person who has the skills that it takes to take an organization to the next level. We do that across functions: creative functions, technical functions. Uh, shared services functions, whatever it might be, heads of HR, heads of A&R, and everything in between, uh, all the way up to and including CEOs and, and board seats. Um, so when we work with clients in that capacity, we're spending a lot of time to get to know them and what's unique about hiring that specific role in their organization at that moment in time, where they need that executive to move the business. And um we're doing that with a real eye towards diversity. We're doing that with an eye towards cultural fit. Um, we're doing that with an eye towards, uh, uh, you know, just integrity and work ethic as well. So that's the, that's the first vertical. That's the executive recruiting side of what we do. But we're very, very different than most executive recruiters that you might run into because we have these two other service verticals, the, the second of which is helping organizations gain capability, which means bespoke programs that we design for our clients that work with anyone from a first line manager up to a founder to help people upskill and become better leaders, better bosses. And that really focuses on a whole broad range of leadership soft skills that uh, help somebody just show up better for their team and, and their investors and their customers. 
The, the third area is, is working with organizations to gain scale. That's looking at process. And sometimes that can be solved with the best practice. Sometimes that can be solved by unlocking some unique innovation. And what we're always looking for is how do we, how do, we do something with process that helps people come together and achieve more together? Sometimes it comes in the form of HR best practices. Sometimes it's a DEI initiative. Sometimes it's a strategic planning project where they're really reinventing the future for their business. So those are really the three things that we do. Uh, about 80% of our clients are, are somewhere in the music ecosystem, whether they're a pure music tech or whether they're a traditional record company. Um, but, but it also includes publishers, distributors, streaming services, uh, emerging tech, so a lot, a lot of different types of players around the table are represented in our client base, which has been a real joy for us. That's, that's great. I'm wondering, since you have a lot of experience in the music industry, what's special about executive recruiting and leadership training for our business? How does it compare to other sectors? And what, what, you know, what, what do you feel is your real area of expertise that you can bring to the table? Well, certainly... But the range of clients we talk to, you know, we've got a, a great view is holistically into the, the whole industry. But, you know, the other thing that's really unique about the music industry, I, I think, on a number of levels is, you know, the commitment that at every level you see um, clients and candidates have toward the creators and the and the um, copyright owners. Uh, you know, there's a real, real interest and real passion there, you know, a real community that lies underneath everything. Um, and, and additionally, you know, it's an amazingly hardworking community, which is really rewarding to see and to work with. And then, you know, coming from a marketing background, the marketing talent we see at all levels is just off the charts. The creativity, the stretch that you see all the time. Yeah, I really love the projects that tap into that. That's really amazing. And I think one of the real standouts and people that are in the music industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder, Michael, if that's because, you know, the music industry had to come back from piracy and from other challenges and they had to be very resourceful, the advent of social media and just got really good at telling authentic stories to draw people in to listen to music, consume music, and and spend money around it. To to you know, a lot of people worked hard to save this industry over the past fifteen years, and things have been so good in the last five years. People forget that, but that you're absolutely right. Just that we, we almost say it to each other every day as we interview candidates. Like, wow, the best marketers in the world are in the music business. And I think that's also why music is so tangential to innovation and, you know, so many tech startups that we see as well. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. And it's become so much more data driven, too. You know, if, if that's a question about, well, how is how is recruitment in the music business unique? How is it different from what it used to be? It's way more uh, way more data and analytics driven than it's ever been. I mean, I, I worked, at, you know, at a major years ago. In, in an HR leadership role. And, you know, we were trying to convince people to hire market research people out of consumer products companies. Now, the, you know, the, the analytics talent we have in the music business is just so far ahead of other sectors. It's super exciting. 
That is really cool. One area where I know that there's been a lot of talk about talent and the music industry changing some of its ways is in the realm of diversity and inclusion. So I'm curious, and I know a lot of companies want to do the right thing. They want to bring more people in a more diverse set of perspectives and talents. So what advice do you have for companies who are looking to become more diverse and inclusive? Well, certainly within their hiring practices, they have to be very intentional. They have to reach out to different communities and really invite them to participate at every level of the hiring process, you know, be it senior level jobs or all the way down to their internship programs. And I'll make a plug for the paid internship programs because that speaks to broad communities very, very efficiently. And then, you know, and so obviously you can't keep going to your friend networks in those same obvious places where you've drawn people from in the past. But it really also requires a deliberate change of mindset. You know, at every minute of the day, you have to make sure that you're being very inclusive and and kind of rethinking that, you know, constantly so that you can break those old habits that have become entrenched and, and continue to not be advancing the diversity um, initiatives that that everybody's so in favor of, you know. And one of the other things is leaders need to create an environment where they make sure that everyone is listening to everyone else's ideas, and then they also have to reinforce an environment where everyone is being recognized for their contributions. I like that. That's amazing general advice. That that is great, no matter what your uh, ultimate intention is. So you work with a lot of people who are building, who are trying to change the direction of big companies, who are, you know, trying to build a startup team. So you have a very unique perspective on what exactly is going on in music right now. So I'm just curious, what trends are you tracking? Um, How do you describe this moment in time? What do you feel like is going on? It's a super exciting time. It's a super exciting time. I mean, I I think there's... um, the, the music industry has always been this intersection of copyright law and invention, technology invention, format changes from the wax cylinder to the 78, to the LP, to the cassette, to the on and on. I don't need to tell you, right? <laughs> um, and now it happens so fast and it happens multiple formats at once. And we're seeing it with with live streaming. We're seeing it the role of of games, music within games live performances within games. We're seeing it with NFTs. We're seeing it with with payment structures. So this is a time when we see so many of our clients really looking into, leaning into it, investing in it. It's super, super, super exciting. Um, and, you know, everybody's looking at it, not just tech companies, but we're seeing content owners look at it as well and really partnering with that technology community to find the right answers and again, back to something Michael said earlier about the community being very creator focused. They're trying to find ways that this really helps build careers for creators. We see just a lot of genuine intent uh, among companies at, at different spots on the table, you know, around the table in the music ecosystem where people want to be doing it for the right reason, not not for a quick exit. And that's that's really, um, you know, pretty gratifying to see that. One of the things I think is kind of exciting that, you know, coming out of the pandemic is it gave us a chance to rethink what is experience and bring in technology in ways that I think people, you know, thought of as very far out ideas before this. And now people were pushed during the pandemic and to make things happen. And and now 
you know, that next idea is just right around the corner in terms of what can be an exciting fan experience or a unique fan experience that, you know, technology is now very close to enabling. Yeah, it's it is fascinating how how quickly we've come to really plumb the complexities of of it. I like to joke about it as the metaphysics of the metaverse, you know, what is our reality? Who are we and how do we interact with all these different these different sounds and 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 sights and how does that change what we feel? It's like pretty amazing moment. And speaking of which, okay, so I was already starting to get a little bit sci-fi. Excuse my philosophizing. It happens on the Music Tectonics podcast, unfortunately. Um but now we get to get sci-fi and hopefully not too uh crazy abstract. So both of you, when you imagine an ideal near future music industry, so everything's worked out great. We're in a musical utopia. Everyone is so happy with whatever IP rights (laughs) and artists are making a living. and Everyone's just like, it's parties in the street. What do you see? Look, we see a lot of things. I don't know how much time you have. Oh, we got some time. Go for it. What, what you know, (laughs) one of the things Look, you see rights holders and streaming services argue with each other, right? The, the the people who are getting a great deal, which I think is a great thing, are the fans. The fans are getting a great deal mm. in today's streaming environment, right? So that's great. And and it was priced in a way that was, that in the end turned out to be wonderful for fans because the music industry was digging itself out of the, the you know, kind of the piracy ditch. Yeah. Um, I think what's exciting now is the music industry is coming from a place of strength. Fans have demonstrated, say with vinyl, that they don't mind spending for a premium good if they know that it's going to support an artist they love and that they care about and whose career they want to support, whose livelihood they want to support. So I think as we look at things in the metaverse, virtual experiences, NFTs, all of these things, I think there's an opportunity for business people to partner with artists and their managers to make sure that these things are priced in a way that that precedents are set in a way that that work for everybody in, in a long sustainable future. So and I love to see big artists making big bucks, but I love even more to see up and coming artists and independent artists making the living they deserve for the hard work that they put in. And I think there's so many technologies with so much promise to do that, streaming will always be a part of it. It's a great, I'm glad it's a good deal for fans, but I'm glad there's other other emerging uses of music that I think um, will you know, balance things out and, and raise the standard of living for, for those rising artists. Yeah, I'm looking forward to rethink, you know, thinking about those new experiences that technology is enabling. I'm looking forward to what I'll call scalable intimacy so that it feels as though it's a, you know, I'm getting that small club feel or that, you know, oh my gosh, they played my house party sort of experience, but that this could be scalable for the artist. So, you know, I'm having that premium experience that seems very unique to me, but technology is enabling it. So if I were to look out there in the metaverse, there's potentially millions of people having the same, but yet very intimate experience. I'm, I envision that in this 
musical technology nirvana. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So that every every show is just the artist. Well, hopefully this this could get a little, you know, I have seen some VR experiences where the artist is staring right into your eyes for the whole time. And that might be, you know, we may have to work on the aesthetics and the experience a little bit, but it is a very powerful feeling. (laughs) It's pretty cool. All right. So as we wrap up this speed round, what does your team hope you'll be able to get out of the Music Tectonics Conference this year? What are you hoping to find out or learn or meet or? Yeah, I, we're super excited about, you know, the opportunities you guys have to feature startups and, you know, want to hear what that, you know, latest thinking and really what where their creative minds have gone. We're super excited about that. You know, the, the startup carousel and then, of course, the narwhal competition is always <laughs> great, too. So very excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, startups over the course of our of our work together have been just just a real cornerstone of what we do uh, without naming names. I mean, just because of the range of things that we do, we can help a, a client who's making their first hire also find the right benefits platform so they can employ that person effectively right out of the gate or uh, help them think through what are the nuts and bolts, uh, you know, uh, employee feedback policies, management training they need in place so people can get off to the right start the first time and the first time that those new hires are making their first new hires. And, um, uh, you know, so, so we love, we love getting to know startups and working with them. And even if it's just, you know, hanging out and giving away some of these ideas on, on how they can structure the the human capital side of their business as they get going, um, you know, we're always, we're always eager to share our, our insight. Um, I also noticed a, a lot of our, you know, clients are going to be at this and we always love just spending time and, and, you know, being grateful uh, with our clients. Uh, So that's always fun. And just kind of seeing old friends and and making new friends. That's uh, kind of hearing, hearing experts talk about what's cutting edge right now. So we're, we're really excited about that. That sounds fun. That's what I look forward the most to uh, as well is hanging around with people who are thinking about some of these interesting, complicated, intriguing problems and um, talking to folks who are diving into the startup world. It's always a blast. Well, thank you so much, James and Michael, for making the time to talk to us. And we will see you on that carousel. Awesome. Awesome. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Hey, Music Tectonics podcast listeners, it's Shaylee here to give you some more Music Tectonics conference updates. The next update I want to share with you all is what is going to be happening on the morning of October 27th. So we are going to be at Expert Dojo, which is this rooftop open air venue just a couple blocks from the beach. And we are going to hear a presentation on the future of music from Media Research. We're going to hear from analysts Chris Dakrar and Tatiana Sirasana as they give a data-driven presentation around how music is becoming a background activity as media consumption transitions to platforms like TikTok and Twitch rather than traditional DSPs like Spotify. Don't miss this presentation and all the other great things happening at the Music Tectonics Conference this year in Santa Monica, California, October 25th through 27th. Get your Music Tectonics Conference badge at musictectonics.com. Hi-Fi was founded by a team of industry veterans and technologists with a shared passion for music and a deep respect for the artists who create it. 
While the digital revolution of the past two decades has brought innovation to many areas of the market, the financial solutions available to music professionals and their teams remain relics of the past, keeping artists at a perpetual disadvantage. HiFi's mission is to empower its members with the support and solutions they need to achieve financial transparency and independence. And joining us from HiFi today is Will Griggs. Thanks, Will. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Trista. Really happy to be joining you today. Well, first, I'd like to get to know you a little bit and hear a little bit from your perspective about HiFi itself. So tell me about your background and what led you to HiFi. Sure. Um, so in a past life, uh, I actually ran, helped run a record label with a couple of partners called Cantora Records. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a label that we started uh, back in 2005. We were at NYU and uh, we put together the label um, so that we could put out the first release by a band called MGMT. Oh, uh, yeah, those guys. I think I've heard like of them. <laughs> Time to Pretend and Kids and things like that. And um, over the 10 or so years that we were running our label, we were among the first, I guess you could call it strategic investors in mm-hmm. music tech companies in New York. This is going back to, you know, 2009, 2010. And, you know, anyone listening to this podcast is probably aware that you know, just about every major label or management company agencies um, have some sort of speculative vehicle to Mm -hmm. do investments in technology companies. At the time, you know, we were offering strategic value um, and sort of sweat value um, by, you know, whether it was putting together events or concerts that, you know, if someone had an app that they were hoping to Um, build out, you know, maybe we could make that app the ticket to a concert that our label would promote and produce. And we could take all that data, help you put it into a deck, help make some introductions. And uh, it was really a crash course in how startups in sort of the music tech space could really gain that early traction. Mm -hmm. And it was back then when I first met Damian Manning, who's the CEO at HiFi, And fast forwarding, um, you know, many years, uh, you know, when I reconnected with him um, as we were putting the team together um, in the sort of early days of Hi-Fi, it really, uh, we both were completely obsessed with this idea of offering financial transparency and and really empowering the folks in the music industry from a financial viewpoint, because... Uh, we saw that, you know, folks were collaborating more than ever, that they had so much optionality in terms of how they could put together their own, you know, bespoke constellations of partners for different projects. Um, And we also saw that most of the time, even very sophisticated artists and managers had very little idea what they were worth where they're getting paid next, Hmm. um, you know, and it is already a really competitive business, obviously. So to be approaching it from a level of sort of financial um, perspective that allows you to navigate your career from a proactive viewpoint is something that we both were really excited to explore. Um, And running a record label and working with artists who had both been Grammy nominated stars, but also a bunch of artists 
you know, in the earliest days of their career and putting things together on an independent basis, um, you know, I had seen firsthand and had sort of felt that pain myself of building a business in music by jumping from opportunity to opportunity and not and shooting from the hip and not understanding how our business was um, actually uh, growing um, and, you know, how we could understand which pieces of the pie to focus on. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only, you know, there's only so many resources you can put into a project. It was really important, um, you know, to really focus on that financial side of the industry. Yeah, it's very difficult to have a strategy or any business insights if you have no idea what money is coming, what's money, you know, what money's come from, what to do. That's a huge part of many, many artists' struggles. And what what people tell you to do may not be what actually is effective for you in particular. Absolutely agree. So, um Let's talk a little bit about where Hi-Fi is right now. So we had Rob Bonstein of, uh, from Hi-Fi as a guest on the podcast back in 2021. Everyone go check that out. That was December. It's pretty fresh. But uh, a lot is changing in these, uh, in these years, <laughs> sorry, in these ensuing months between um, sort of the end of the pandemic and the recovery we're seeing now. Um, so I'm just curious, what's changed for Hi-Fi in the world of artist revenue, just in your corner of the world, what trends are you tracking and what's really encouraging? What's more of a challenge? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one, one trend that we've seen over, you know, the past few years is this idea that, you know, artists have access to more data, it seems every single day. Um, and a lot of that data is around, you know, what you might call engagement, you know, how many streams are you getting? Um, how many monthly listeners do you have? How many impressions are you getting? Um, but, and that's incredibly useful and important data to keep track of, but how does that translate into uh, the impact on your bottom line? How does that translate into giving you better understanding of how to build your business, whether you're an independent artist or a manager or a superstar? Um, you know, and one thing that uh, we've been really focused on is how can we allow folks across the entire spectrum of the industry to understand things that seem simple but aren't like, how much money did I make yesterday? How much am I making, let's say, just from streaming mm -hmm. today? Um, and those are really the problems that we're focused on solving. Um, and we've built software uh, for both the individual creators and I, I'm sure you know, when Rob was on um, the podcast, uh, you'll remember hearing a bit about our royalties dashboard, which is a mobile app that allows individual artists or managers to see the holistic earnings across their projects. But one thing that we have been really excited to roll out since then is the ability to offer at an enterprise level, that same level of financial transparency and analysis for business managers and folks who might be overseeing sort of their own sea of data across mm -hmm. hundreds of um, clients potentially. Um, so it's really exciting for us that we're able to cover the whole scope and offer um, that um, level of transparency and understanding and that contextual layer to translate all of that momentum into uh, dollars and cents. And the next leap for us um, is taking all of that um, perspective and helping those rights holders access that money faster. 
I, I know you don't want to and probably can't name names, but can you give us just like a, a case study of how your clients have been using some of this data, either at the enterprise level or at the individual artist level, level to make better business decisions? Do you have any good, any good stories you can tell about how people can deploy this data to their benefit? Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, one of the uh, uh, most satisfying parts about what we're working on is that, again, we can offer that value to both, uh, let's say, an independent musician who is making sure that they aren't leaving any money on the table. And we can let them know, um, you know, what are the fastest growing areas of their business? How can they see uh, the sort of the most immediate path to growth. Um, and are they leaving any money on the table? Are there any relationships, whether it is being registered with the sound exchange, for instance, that would unlock money for them that they might not know is out there and giving them access to that financial understanding so that they can continue to build their career in the healthiest and most positive way, um, while also really offering um, that same type of insight to let's say a business manager who you know uh is being um tasked with understanding uh how much let's say an artist made on spotify over the last year and uh i mean those are questions that take an incredible amount of effort manually yeah. to answer Absolutely. and the fact that we can offer that um that understanding and that information and those data points instantly um, means that those same business managers and their teams can spend their time really focusing on the business strategy and making sure that they are, you know, serving their clients, serving the, the artists and the managers and all of the, you know, um, folks that they're working with, um, with that level of service and not being bogged down in uh, the sort of uh, nitty gritty manual uh, minutiae. Um, but also that that level of access to the information means that you can start putting the pieces together and having a much stronger um, financial um, uh, sort of uh, data story to tell um, than you would be able to um, if you were just checking those things because a client happened to ask for it. Um, and it's been really incredible to see how folks um, are really expanding their own perspectives on the way that they're approaching their business just because they have easy access to not the, not only those individual data points, but how they tie together um, as a way to spot trends, to spot opportunities, to spot areas of concern. Um, if there are, you know, things that seem like they could be red flags um, and uh, the fact that we're able to, you know, uh, offer that level of transparency again to both sides is something that uh, has been a big focus, you know, since you spoke with Rob at the end of last year. Very cool. So now I'm going to force you to do something which is both very fun and a little bit tough, <laughs> especially if we're nerding out seriously about data. Um, let's get a little sci-fi here. So imagine you're in this you know, ideal near future music industry where all the data pipelines and all the business insights are just coming together in with rainbows and unicorns and we're in, we're in data utopia here. What do you see? What's happening? 
Well, I think a number of things happen, and I love this question. Maybe, <laughs> it's you know, my favorite really, too. <laughs> I was thinking about this over the you know the past week or so since you sent it, and I think a couple of really incredible things start to happen um, when that level of access um, is just sort of uh, the baseline for artists and their teams. One thing that I think is incredibly inspiring to think about is what does that mean for collaboration? Mm -hmm. Um, because we're hearing from our members that, you know, folks are collaborating more than ever. I think that through COVID and through the ability to connect through Zoom or through all sorts of digital collaborative tools, um, you know, suddenly there are all of these different um, ingredients that are getting put together that maybe wouldn't have um, three or four years ago. Um, but we're also hearing that that same collaborative spirit creates an incredibly complicated, messy financial back end oh, um, wow. in yeah. terms of where those songs live and how the different rights are split up. And, you know, it's not always the most immediate thing to talk about splits and things like that in the room. Um, but if it is that sort of utopian vision. Yes, where or, we, where, of that, course, uh, of course, I'll that, just take 40%. That's fine. Yeah. But in, <laughs> but in terms of that sort of sci-fi near future that you're, you know, describing, I think that allows folks to really collaborate um, from a sense of uh, sort of strength mm -hmm. and positivity so that, you know, that can just continue to grow. And the fact that, you know, suddenly black box money um, gets into the right hands. You Yay. know, the fact that there are so <laughs> many administrative holdups hold and mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, it can take songwriters and artists sometimes over a year to get paid the money that they've already earned yeah. um, is, you know, a huge challenge because the opportunity cost of that same dollar, you know, that dollar is worth more to an artist with a growing career today than that mm -hmm. same dollar will be in a year. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that's one reason why we're so focused on not just the uh, sort of data and the analytic side of things, but how we can use that element of our business to help uh, get rights holders and creators paid faster. And the data question is really interesting when it comes to collaboration. I'm going to go down a little little sidetrack here, but I mean, I've heard about data being used to make uh, persuasive arguments during brand negotiations on the, you know, when artists are talking to brands about a deal. And I'm wondering, as collaborators start to come together, they can compare data. And you can say, hey, I'm going to bring a certain amount of clout to the table, even if I didn't maybe put in as much work in the studio or on the stage. I have something that I'm bringing to this relationship that's different from, and and that it takes it away from like, yeah, but I think I wrote that that lick, right? So it, it could be a really interesting new rebalancing technique for people working together where they could have more honest conversations that aren't based on subjective observations, right? One crazy for idea. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. No, for sure. And I think, you know, and uh, I, we certainly have seen as well that I think, you know, artists are really changing um, and evolving the way that they think about their finances. Mm. And, you know, the fact that uh, you are able to see um, details on how all of the different, you know, sort of facets of your career um, are creating, um, you know, a business foundation for you to build on. Um, you know, I think that artists, it se seems, and I hope this continues, are being more sort of uh, open about what's worked for them and what hasn't. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think that you're seeing a lot of sort of leaders in the space really offering their own experiences in a very open and honest way um, in a way that I think is having a positive impact on younger artists. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, the, like the same sort of relationships that you were just describing, hopefully over time, as you know, folks understand the business side better, they have better access to that information. Suddenly without that murky opaque element, those conversations can be a bit more free flowing. And again, a big part of our mission is how can we offer financial solutions and and technology mm -hmm. that can allow the artist to spend as much time as they can creating art and doing the things that only they can do um, and not get bogged down in the administrative uh <laughs> you know uh quicksand of financial tracking and, and things like that. Yeah, most artists don't dream of spreadsheets, but I know some do, not to not to not to dismiss anyone who's got a spreadsheet based uh, creative practice. But um, well, thanks so much for joining us for the speed round. As we wrap up, um, I want to mention that Rob is going to be back at the Music Tectonics conference on a panel. Then it's tentatively titled No Money, No Music. <laughs> we will get you the exact title later on. Um, however, um, uh, okay, let me try that again. Sorry. Late on a Friday, it's, I'm one of those, like, I'm a working mom. So, like, by Friday, I'm just, like, like drooling on my, drooling <laughs> yeah, have, on my standing desk. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You're very, so. very, very coherent for someone in that phase <laughs> of parenting. Okay. I'm going to try question number four one more time. And thanks for putting up with my weird speculations about, like, people negotiating between collaborators. Like, I can just totally imagine someone being like, no, 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 I have a much bigger TikTok following. I get 43%. <laughs> anyway, okay. As we wrap up this speed round, I'm curious what hi the Hi-Fi team is hoping to get out of the Music Tectonics Conference this year. You will be on a panel, or at least Rob will. And I mm -hmm. um, just want to know what you're hoping the conference will bring your way. Well, one thing that we love about music tectonics is that it brings together such an interesting forward thinking group of companies and it's a very professional audience. So we love the fact that we can get into the nitty gritty and really speak at a very sophisticated level about all the stuff that we're working on. Um, so, you know, kudos to the whole music tectonics team for another great um, lineup this year. Uh, I mean, always we're looking to connect with folks who are rights holders, are generating royalties, or work with people who do, because um, I think we can add a lot of value um, regardless of which stage of your career you're at. So please seek out Rob or find us online if that, if that fits the bill for you. Um, but also, you know, we love to keep an eye on what other companies are doing in terms of what are the new... Uh, you know, revenue streams that we should be tracking, what's happening in Web3, how could we help offer a bridge of understanding between the royalties of the traditional music industry and the royalties that are increasingly being generated through different um, technologies and innovations on the blockchain. 
um, and you know, just being aware of sort of what is on the cutting edge of all of those parts of the industry is really important to us because if it if that knowledge is something that would benefit our members and give them some insight or better understanding or an opportunity to generate more revenue or uh, have a healthier financial setup um, for themselves, then we have to be all over it. And you guys do a great job of uh, making it like shooting fish in a barrel. So we're really looking forward <laughs> to being a part of the conference again. Well, well I'll, I'll see, I'll, I won't see you, but I'll see Rob along the edge of that fish barrel. <laughs> Mini harpoon in hand. Sounds great. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, Will. Thank you so much. This was fun. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.